but because she was playing, I asked if I could go in the goal and it's kind of the rest is history. I went in the goal and then I got pretty good, pretty fast, not because I'm that amazing, but just because I'm that fearless and I just did not care. And I would throw myself at people and breakaways. I would just slide into them and so many cuts and scrapes and bruises and bloody body parts. Hi, and welcome to the Empowerment and Courage podcast. We are your hosts, Ellie and Coco, two former college athletes on a mission to empower you to believe in yourself and encourage you to go after your dreams. Every week, we speak with professional athletes about their journeys, about everything from hardships and motivation to the true meaning of success so that they can inspire you with their unique stories. We are so excited to say that we are finally on Patreon. So if you like our podcast and want to help us make more and better episodes, you can become a Patreon today and get access to exclusive behind-the-scenes content and other community perks. You can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash empowermentcourage and you can also find the direct link in the episode description. Thank you so much for your support. In today's episode, Ellie speaks with Ariana Crescioni. She's an American-Italian football player currently playing for PSG in France. She's a former member of the Italian national team and has previously won three Italian titles, one Italian cup and three super cups with Torres Calcio. Ariana is currently also working as the women's sponsorship manager at PSG. Ariana speaks about taking the step of moving to Europe to play professional football after finishing a college career in the US. She loves to travel and talks about the many places that football has taken her and some of her best experiences abroad, discovering new cities during local festivities. Looking back at her career, Ariana shares what her definition of success is and how her approach to what it means to be successful has changed over the years. She's a big advocate for giving girls opportunities to play sports and hope to show other girls that you can work within the sports industry even if you don't aspire to be a professional athlete. Hi Ariana and welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here today. I'm so excited to hang out with you today and I'm glad we're doing it in France in the sunshine and not in Sweden when it's winter and cold. Exactly, exactly. I'm excited about that too. And I wanted to ask you, first of all, how, yeah, how is everything with you and how is everything in Paris at the moment? Um, it's, it's unique. I think the word, the best word to describe it is unique. We're in a unique position to, to win the league, to be honest. So that's really exciting. Uh, but we still have three games to go and all three points are really important to us to win our league. Uh, it will be the first time PSG ever wins, so there's a lot of pressure, but we're currently the head of the table. Uh, but it's also my last three weeks being a professional player because I will retire once that final whistle blows on the final game. So a lot of mixed emotions and it's a unique moment. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. And then on top of that, you have, like I said, everything going on with you retiring, you have the football, the league, but you also have the COVID situation. And I know obviously now in France, they're changing the curfew tomorrow, but there's still a lot of restrictions and stuff. So I can imagine that's made everything a bit more difficult, right? For sure. I mean, the curfew, to be honest, as a football player and a professional, we've been extremely lucky to be able to play being the, the top division the government has allowed us to play through. And so our daily lives have not drastically changed that much. We go to training, we come home from training, we go to training, we come mm -hmm. home from training. 
Um, I would love to have a quote unquote normal life or have been able to experience more amazing things in Paris as my time is coming to a close, as I said before. But overall, I find that we've been extremely lucky and we can't really complain compared to other professions and other people's situations in this precarious moment. So I'm thankful that we get to play and I'm really excited that I can go back and, and have lunch or dinner outside on a terrace, <laughs> but it, it hasn't affected us so much. Okay. Okay. That's good, at least to hear. But like you said, it's nice being able to go to restaurants soon and maybe do some shopping. I don't know. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm really excited, but I think I've just tried to keep this, you know, rose colored glasses on the whole terrible situation and look at the positive that we got to keep going. And our season was fully played. Hopefully knock on wood, the last three games will be played with no problems or issues and no, um, no pushing it back or anything like that. So. Yeah, true. That's the most important part. So that makes sense for sure. <laughs> Definitely. And um, I wanted to start as well by asking some like shorter questions. So basically just answer, I guess, the first thing that comes to mind. Um, okay. Yeah. So I wanted to start and ask, who is your biggest inspiration? Oh, my biggest inspiration. I would say my family. I know that's kind of a cliche answer, but I think uh, my immediate family, each person has a special trait that really inspired me growing up or one like pushed me to do better and they're also my biggest fans so my mom dad and my sister definitely inspire me and push me and now it's actually my fiance because I've never seen a human being work as hard or as long as he has sometimes to the detriment of what he should be doing but the man just never stops so he's also an inspiration to me that's awesome that's awesome and uh what is your dream travel destination I know you travel quite a bit already but in the future <laughs> I don't have one I want to go to so many places that's like putting five kinds of chocolate in front of a chocolate lover. You can't just be like, I'm going to eat that. No, I'm going to go to all of them. But I've always said that I want to do, um, I've called it like major holidays in countries. <laughs> so like I've been in Lu Louisiana for Mardi Gras. I've been in Venice for, it's not Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras. Basically, I would love to go to Carnival in Brazil I would love to, oh my God, I can't think of the name of the festival in India where they throw all the colors okay. at each other. I know what you mean, but I, I can't think and, of the name either. And Diwali, I think it's Diwali. Okay. Um, I've already done China for Chinese New Year, um, Ireland for St. Patrick, like all those super cliche big holidays in every country. I just think it would be fantastic to experience it culture-wise with all the people and eat all the yummy food. So <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. And then... Yeah, so many places I want to visit. It's too hard to narrow down. Yeah, yeah, of course. I understand that. But that's cool. Like you said, like the big holidays and stuff. I never really thought about it that way. But that's really like getting, I guess, all of the culture when you go. Yeah, to place. exactly. Yeah. And people are always super happy around like their special holiday. And so I just think it would be so cool to see it. Um, and also, I'd love if like I knew a family or a friend or something and they could mm -hmm. connect me so I could actually experience it from their perspective. Oh, I've done Oktoberfest with Germans. Mm -hmm. um, and I did um, I did the um, May Day in Sweden, like when we danced around the pole and oh, sang yeah, frog like, songs. Yeah, like Midsummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Midsummer. And I did, um, sorry, not May Day, Midsummer. And That's in fine. Norway, <laughs> I did their national holiday. Mm -hmm. Yep. So those were all really fun. So I just want to keep on this collection <laughs> of major holidays and countries. That's so cool. I like that. I want to do that now as well. <laughs> That's really cool. That's awesome. 
And um, what's one thing that you're really good at, but that people might not know about you? That I'm really good at that people might not know about me? Mm-hmm. I'm really good at doing my nails. I can tell. They're like, nice. <laughs> like these ones. Okay. I did not do this one, but I can do this. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. And I have like a whole set of gel and like a machine and everything. And I do designs and my teammates want to come over, but I don't like doing it to other people, but I do my nails all the time. My nails are usually always done. <laughs> That's nice. I was going to say there's probably a lot of yeah teammates like asking you to do theirs as well, but <laughs> that'd be a lot of work. No, no, no. I let them borrow the colors. They're more than welcome to come over and hang out, <laughs> but I'm not doing their nails. Okay. Okay. But you're good at doing it. That's cool. That's awesome. And uh, if you could only watch three movies or three TV shows for the rest of your life, which ones would you pick? Well, I feel like I'd go with TV shows because there's multiple seasons. So mm -hmm. you have a lot more. What would I pick? Ooh, this is a really hard question. Mm -hmm. um... <laughs> Oof, I really don't know. What season? What had like Friends? Because there are just like so many of them. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot. It's good. And then I could just watch them in multiple languages because it's in every <laughs> language. Um, and then I guess just for simplicity's sake and not to sit here for an hour, <laughs> when I was younger, I used to watch two movies over and over. So I guess I could keep watching those. And it was Bridget Jones' Diary <laughs> and Love and Basketball. Okay. Okay. I haven't seen uh, the second one you said, but maybe I should check it out. You've never seen Love and Basketball? It's no. like why I became a professional athlete. It's okay. about a woman <laughs> playing basketball becoming pro, but uh, there's a moment you're going to watch this movie now, and I've definitely experienced this moment. So Okay. Yeah, no, you have to go watch Love and okay. Basketball. Okay, okay, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I can't it's forget great. that. Okay, okay, awesome. Thank you for, uh, yeah, the advice. <laughs> no problem. Thank you. And um, what's one song that gets you pumped before, like, a training session or game? Um... Oh, I feel like this is gonna age me though. It, it's um. Can I can I look it up on my phone? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's difficult. You probably weren't expecting these questions though. So. No, not at all. Uh, I think it's remember the name. Oh, I know this one too. With like Fort Minor, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's such a good one. I love that one too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then also too, um, in the jungle by, um. Oh my god, why can't I? Uh, Ex-Ambassadors. Okay, okay. I don't know that one. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. It's a good one. It's another one that gets you pumped up. Okay, okay. Awesome. And um, what is your favorite meal? <sighs> my favorite? Okay, again, so hard. Like, I, why you gotta pick just one? Uh, <laughs> I love to eat, so this is really hard. Um, so when I was a kid, usually on my birthday, there was two meals that I would ask for, and I just rotate them or depending. One, there was this thing called lindiki, which is this lentil soup, but it's really thick that my dad would make, but it would take like two days to make because he would let it sit for a really long time. So I loved that because it took so long to cook. It's not like my parents made it all the time. And then a really good old fashioned, quote unquote, American meal, uh, baby back ribs, uh, <laughs> mashed potatoes and homemade cornbread. Okay. Yeah, that's very American. <laughs> I remember from my time in the US. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's difficult to choose one. Two is totally fine. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. And um, I know you have this is going to be difficult too, probably. You have a lot of memories from your career, but do you have like a favorite one? 
No, see, no. I'm recently because I'm retiring. <laughs> everybody keeps asking me this, and <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, but I, okay. So like, most people ask me like my best save or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite memories. It's not like one moment. It's all the moments that kind of build together, and like it's when you close your eyes and you have that montage, like that movie montage that happens in every movie, and the person's like remembering <laughs> all these moments. And I just see all these different players that I've played with, like laughing and smiling and all those moments of just sheer laughter that was comedy and just enjoying the moment and all these really cool, amazing people from around the world that I've encountered and have left a mark on me. And I think that's my favorite memory. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I didn't think about that. But of course, a lot of people are probably asking you that now trying to like think about what was your favorite thing throughout your career (laughs) yeah so So you think I should have like come up with one that's just great like this perfect oh I you know I tied my shoe and then I made this say or something but no no I'm I think I'm going senile I can't even remember like the greatest game I ever played in no I didn't (laughs) well that was a good answer too like you said remembering all the different things so that's cool And um, aside from, I mean, you told me you like, or you're good at doing your nails, you probably like doing it as well. But aside from football, what's another thing that you enjoy doing? I do a lot of yoga. Okay, that's nice. So I'm really into yoga and I took a teacher's course this year, but I don't think I'll end up going into teaching. I just wanted to learn to be a better yogi, I guess we can say, but I just really enjoy doing yoga and physical activity. And I also love learning. Like if I could just be an eternal student, I would do that. But I think my fiance will kill me if I go back to school one more time. Okay. <laughs> no more school, but you would if you could. <laughs> I'm currently in a class right now. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you are studying still. Yeah. yeah. I'm currently yeah. in a program right now that doesn't finish till January, but I told him I wanted to go back and get my MBA because I also did a Harvard class, but not the full MBA program. And it made me want to get the full MBA and he just looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe in the future you can do it anyways <laughs> yeah we'll see we'll see we'll see and I only had uh one more short question so you follow a lot of people probably on like Instagram YouTube but do you have one like account that you think we should check out it could be like an athlete like an artist a musician someone that you think is cool I follow the rock I think he's hilarious <laughs> okay <laughs> and he's motivating and he's not really mean to anybody and I just like his his site like sometimes he's working out so it's like okay he'll he'll show you it's 4 a.m and he's already in the gym like <laughs> busting it and then at 7 a.m he's playing with his two daughters and singing with them and it's just this really cute insight to his life so I like his account it's wholesome good solid stuff okay okay that's cool I don't know if I've checked his Instagram account I'm gonna do that after this <laughs> it's sure. a really good Instagram cool. to be honest yeah <laughs> that's cool that's awesome Thank you for sharing that as well. And I wanted to obviously talk a bit more about football as well. So going back to kind of like where everything first started, when did you first start playing football and why? This is a question I get a lot and I have a really good answer for it. So here it goes. (laughs) I started playing football and every time I laugh first (laughs) because, well, we have to go back to the very beginning. Okay. My dad is the eldest of four brothers, very Italian family. So when he married my mom and my mom first got pregnant, they only came up with boy names because he just could not comprehend that it was possible for him to have daughters and not sons. Well, God obviously laughed at him and my older sister came and he had a very 
life-changing moment where he decided, okay, I have to be the best girl dad ever. So my daughters are going to be like the biggest princesses, only do cheerleading and ballet and really dance and very girl sports that we consider girl sports. Even though you think about ballerinas and like dancers are super badass and train super hard and Mm -hmm. nothing against them, but he had this vision in his head. And then my mom gets pregnant again and arrives a little me. And now it's like double time. Okay, perfect. My sister and I, neither one of us are extremely girly per se. So anyways, my mom, my sister was a really big bookworm and and kind of a stagnant little kid, uh, really academic bound and always she just consumed books. And so my mom signed her up for soccer or football in order to get her more active. However, she did not tell my dad. So she signed her up without telling my dad and then came (laughs) home and had to convince my dad that it was okay. And we know it was an issue between them for a hot second. (laughs) And then the next year, my dad ended up signing up to be my sister's coach. So his point of view changed quite quickly, numerous times, clearly. (laughs) And because my sister was playing and getting lots of attention from my family and I'm the baby, so I need all the attention, I got them to sign me up too and then she was a little chubby so when she first started playing she was put in the goal and so then I started playing I was horrific on the field uh my parents actually asked me if I could change sports because they're very supportive but they're not masochists so they did not want to have to watch that and but because she was playing I asked if I could go in the goal and it's kind of the rest is history I went in the goal and then I got pretty good pretty fast, not because I'm that amazing, but just because I'm that fearless and I just did not care. And I would throw myself at people and breakaways. I would just slide into them and so many cuts and scrapes and bruises and bloody body parts to the point that my teachers actually had to have like numerous talks with my parents to make sure nothing bad was happening at home. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, I just stayed in the goal ever since. I never came out. Wow. Yeah. That's a funny story (laughs) for sure. But that's cool as well that, you know, like you said, you were just, yeah, you just really wanted to do it. But did you play like other sports as well or which is football from the beginning? Um, I ended up playing a couple years of basketball because on one of my soccer teams, uh, there was a girl, she was more a basketball player and her dad and my mom got along really well. So he convinced my mom to be his assistant coach, except my mom is super not really athletic. So that was a funny year of us playing NJB. But I was so bad that I just kept traveling because I would dive across the court. Um, and I played volleyball a couple of years for our school team, but nothing really competitive. It was really all about football. Okay. Okay. And I mean, obviously playing football since you were a kid, do you remember like at what time you decided that, okay, I'm going to be like a professional football player. Did you have that moment? I think I told people that pretty early on, actually, I'm not going to lie. Um, because I was unique being a goalkeeper that wanted to be in the goal and the the fearless thing and having parents that were super supportive and sending me to goalkeeper camp and all this stuff I started to go up the soccer like development system quite quickly Mm -hmm. like at 11 I I was on a U14 team and I made the youth national teams and stuff so I knew quite quickly that I was in a good direction to to do something and so I'd always wanted to go pro or at least, and I really always wanted to play in Europe for whatever reason, that's where kind of the Mecca of soccer was for me. And 
yeah. So that's how it kind of came out. Maybe you're going to ask me this question, but I'll just go into it now. So obviously we play <laughs> university in the States. It's kind of a big deal to go to university and we can play at a high level. Yeah. And when I finished university, there was no league for women. The year I finished, it was an in-between year from one league to the other because we've had numerous incantations of the league. Um, and so I went abroad quickly because I wanted to play pro and I wanted to be playing. And so I went to Sweden actually straight from university in order to be pro. And then I just never came back. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually gonna talk a bit more about that. But um, I mean, was that not a difficult decision for you at all then to move abroad? I mean, obviously, yes, you wanted to play and everything, but it's still like, you know, leaving behind where you've lived for many years. So yeah, but I went to college on the East Coast, and I'm from the West Coast. So I'd already kind of made that initial move. And again, extremely fortunate. I have a fabulous family. My mm -hmm. mom is a flight attendant. And so traveling and going abroad was instilled in us at a really young age and not being afraid of cultures and people. My mom is awesome. She's so much fun to travel with, but she cannot speak a word of a different language or like, like her direction sense is awesome, but really she can't speak a single other language, but she travels all over the world and goes on these crazy adventures and does the craziest fun stuff. And she does a lot of her own version of sign language and saying thank you in English a lot. Um, but she always really instilled in my sister travels a lot too, in us to, to go to other cultures and try new things. So I don't, so I think it was easier for me to go abroad because my parents never made us scared to go abroad or that it would be bad or anything like that. And also my mom could come visit me a lot, mm -hmm. not once or twice a year. So, and I knew that she was literally a phone call away. If God forbid anything happened or I needed to come home, she would come pick me up in 24 mm -hmm. hours. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's good for sure. And I was going to say, like you said as well, you went to um, college on the East Coast, growing up on the West Coast. So obviously I can imagine that kind of prepared you as well, you know, like uh, for going pro, for traveling after, for moving, being more, I guess, independent in a way, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, during your career here in Europe, like you said, you've been traveling a lot too. You went to Sweden first. I also know that you've been playing in Italy, you've been playing in the Netherlands and now obviously in France as well. So this must have been like an incredible experience. What would you say are some of like the best parts about, you know, um, the lifestyle that you chose and being a professional athlete? I mean, getting to do some of those holidays with my teammates in their country and them sharing that experience. Um, I did obviously some holidays in Italy and in, in Sassari, the, the city I played in, I experienced their holiday too, which is mm -hmm. super cool. I didn't say that one earlier, but their holiday is in the middle of August. And it's the coolest thing where they build these massive candle, well, it's supposed to be a candle, but they're crazy heavy. <laughs> where like six guys, they have these posts coming out of the bottom and like six guys have put it on their shoulder and then they, they bounce it and dance around. I'm not sure if this is going to be on film because I'm actually doing it. And I don't know if people <laughs> will be able to see me. But they dance around the streets and it's a parade holding these massive things. And then there's ribbons coming off of them and there's other people holding the ribbons and they're doing this. It's just super cool. And it's it's great to be able to experience with real Sardinians and Sassarese, like people from the city and then participating in the culture of eating the food. Like I love food. I love eating. So it's so much fun being in all these different countries and, and all these different celebrations where there's a different kind of food that you have to eat. Um <laughs> And then I love meeting new people and learning new things about them. You really understand people differently when you're in their culture and their home. And I love learning the languages. I've tried to learn at least certain phrases from every country. Some countries I've learned more of the language, <laughs> but also too, you can kind of understand people a little bit more if you can understand their language, because it really affects kind of how you think and look at stuff. So I love all, I love learning about all these different things through all my different senses. 
Okay, okay, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, obviously, along with the good parts, I guess being away from like family and um, maybe the barriers, like it's cool to learn the language, but obviously it can be frustrating, I guess, if you go to a new place and you don't speak the language and you have some issues with that. Would you say there are some, you know, downsides as well to actually moving to new places, living in different countries as well? Oh, I mean, for sure. Everybody thinks it's super glamorous. It's not that glamorous all the time mm-hmm. at all. We get to do really cool stuff and have amazing experiences, but there's probably less glamour than the big glamour parts. Like those are one-off days where we have seven days a week. Mm -hmm. Um, It's quite lonely, to be honest, a lot of the time because you're in a new culture, as you said. And even if you have friends on the team, it's not like they're going to hang out with you all the time. And so with some people on some teams, you click really well just with people in their jobs and some teams you don't click as well. So I've played on teams where it's been really, really, really lonely. Um, And... Uh, financially it has not always been extremely lucrative and by not always I mean never so there's also been times where you'd love to go out and experience more stuff or go to restaurants or go to a different city and go to hotels and stuff and you just financially don't have the money I mean I've played in a lot of countries where I just didn't have enough money to go to dinner Uh, especially in the Scandinavian countries it's really really expensive for how much we get paid but yeah, I think those are also really great lessons that we learn from it, how to save your money, how to budget, how to get creative with what you're cooking. And yeah, it's all a part of it, though. Yeah, exactly. Both the good good sides and the bad sides, I guess, or less good sides, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And um, obviously throughout your career, like you said, you experienced a lot of different things. You've accomplished a lot of things as well, um, just amongst you know, those experiences and accomplishments um, are playing for the Italian national team, also winning three Italian titles, an Italian cup and three super cups with Torres. Uh, but thinking, you know, about all of these experiences and accomplishments, what would you say that like success means to you? Like, how do you define being successful in what you do in life? So I love that you named all my trophies, but I don't think those mean success because I think sometimes we get too focused on that. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of amazing athletes out there that have never won anything. And that shouldn't take away from their experience or from their careers. I don't think it, okay, obviously for some people, if you get to win a world cup or an Olympics, people will look at that you've had a better career. Or if you think of the famous female players that we know, everybody will say, oh, their career was amazing, but I'm pretty proud of my career. Even if you take away those championships, because I've played in a lot of countries where we didn't win a championship, though, hopefully this last one will get there. Um <laughs> that I don't think that that defines success whatsoever. I think success is waking up every day and being content. I don't say happy because we don't wake up happy all the time. You can't be happy all the time. You get annoyed, you get frustrated, but I think just being content with what you've been able to accomplish and the goals you set out. And so, yes, obviously every every season, my goal is to win the whole league, but there's also a lot of small goals that go into that. So there's a lot of small personal victories that nobody knows about and that you do in the dark when nobody's watching um, and I've accomplished a lot of my own personal victories. I always told my mom I'd go back to school and I did. Um, So I think that's success. I think you coming up with your game plan and holding true and being true to yourself. And sometimes it's possible to reach and sometimes you give everything you can and and you just don't win the game, but life is a game too. And sometimes you don't just win or, or get what you want. But to me, success is just thinking about what you want and trying to achieve it and giving everything you can to achieve it in whichever way it falls, it does. But 
you're successful if you do that. Okay, okay. So it's more something that changes like throughout the years as well, I guess. Like you're depending on your approach, depending on what you do. Like success is not always the same, obviously, um, when you're doing different things. No, by no means. And even if if we win the league, God <laughs> grant us. Uh, if we win the league this year, and even if we would have won champions, also unfortunately we lost in the semis. Uh, it would have been a super successful year, and I would have been really happy. But I still have, you know, another. How old am I? We'll say I have another <laughs> 70 years of life <laughs> and um, I want to continue to set goals and reach them. It's not like, okay, cool. I checked that <laughs> box, checked that box. So I'm a very successful person and it's done. No, there's a lot more to do and a lot more to accomplish. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And throughout your career as well, I mean, obviously like most professional athletes, you go, go through some tougher times as well with maybe like injuries or other difficulties. So what would you say are some of like, the most yeah difficult challenges that you've had to face so in 2015 i blew out my knee and by blowing out my knee i mean i tore my acl my mcl my pcl and both meniscus in one wow hit uh that was extremely challenging <laughs> what's funny is in the moment i was super positive and and i was able to really stay positive and, and stay on track and keep myself focused and do all the rehab it took me 18 months to come back Doctors actually told me I might not be able to walk again, let alone run again. And I was sure as hell wouldn't play again. So I'm super proud about coming back and how hard I've worked. But that was definitely, and at the time I didn't realize how amazing what I was doing was that I'm really proud of myself. That was success. Talk about success, yeah. being able to play again. That was super successful. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have this gnarly scar. Well, two huge scars on my knee. Um, and that was really difficult, but I actually met my fiance because of it. So I can't think I, if I would have never done it, I would have never met so it. So that's good then, uh, so, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, so the, you know, the, there's a silver lining on everything. You can always find the silver lining on, on the worst things that happen to you. Um, but that was a huge thing to overcome. And I was also already in my thirties when I, I was already in my thirties. I did it three days before my 30th birthday. Wow. So I was not a spring chicken. And that was even more difficult. To, although I go back and forth on this one because I was so old. I really did my rehab and exactly what I was supposed to do. And maybe if I had been younger and, and more excited to get back quicker, I might not have taken it as seriously, but I took it extremely seriously and all the work paid off. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. But I mean, obviously like it's the physical side, like you said, of coming back, it took like 18 months of rehab, but also there's like this mental side, obviously being a professional athlete, regardless if it's injuries or other difficulties, it's yeah, the mental challenge of how to, I guess, keep sane and keep focused to actually come back. So how did you deal with that side of it? Did you work with like a mental coach or someone who helped you? No, I, what did I, first off my mom talked about my mom coming and my family again, but my mom ended up getting on a plane she was actually working and she was in Australia when it happened. So she came like 72 hours after the whole event, but it's, she came back to the United States, changed her clothes, packed a new suitcase and moved to France for six weeks to help me because wow. I was really in bad shape and mm -hmm. couldn't do very much stuff. Um, nothing. I really just focused on all my rehab and all the little things I could control and kind of a control freak when it comes to that. And so I did a lot of research on what food I could eat what color vegetables help you the most to regrow ligaments and to help blood circulation and to decrease swelling. Um, lots of anti-inflammatory stuff. What the doctor told me to do exercises five times a day. I did them 10 times a day. They told me to do it for 10. So I was literally like sitting on the floor all the time with my swatch stopwatch, just raising my leg up and down, up and down, laying on my belly and like flexing my foot, different things like that. I bought these little circle 
not magnets, but sticky things that I could put on my windows. And I would write a new quote on them every few days. And I would just read these quotes over and over from different athletes. There was lots of like Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and John Wooden quotes up there and, and things like that, that would keep me motivated, like head down, keep going or Mia Ham quotes and, and things like that. And then I was also super lucky. The, I did that here in France and the club I did it with were just extremely, extremely, extremely supportive. I swear there's a piece of my heart that's green now. So that's the color of the club. And they let, I stayed on the team, even though my contract was fully over. So I got to go to practice every day. So I stayed in the habit of going to practice every single day. I got to hang out with the players. I'd go to practice and just crutch around the field. I do laps by being on crutches in a full leg brace okay. and just do these really slow <laughs> laps around the field. Or I'd go into the gym and do the arm bike and lots of exercises, like one-legged push-ups and stuff. Cause I obviously couldn't move my leg and lots of upper body and abs and stuff. And I just really stayed in the habit that I was still a professional athlete. I still had to go to practice and I still had to do all these things. And I could, these were the things that I could control to make sure I come back. And I really controlled my weight. I refused to gain weight that then would make it more difficult when I came back that I'd have to lose that weight and then get back in mm-hmm. shape. So I, again, I just paid attention to what I was eating, was healthy, read lots of books, took lots of French classes and just did a lot. Of, I kept myself really busy trying to be focused on, on coming back and not sitting and wallowing and being depressed in the situation okay okay not that I didn't have days where I cried yeah I totally did. I'm by no means perfect but I really just tried to set those small victories like I talked about before and mm-hmm. have my checklist of what I needed to get done that day and get it done okay okay and I was gonna say I mean did you ever during that time but also maybe at another point in your career like think about actually giving up like doing something else because you were tired of all of it a couple times maybe I had but not really to be totally honest with you I didn't have a choice I looked at it that I had to come back like what else was I going to do at that moment and I also looked at it that I was really lucky that being in France and I was a professional athlete that the way the French government works they took over my salary and all of my rehab Mm -hmm. and I was able to do that here and I felt extremely lucky because I did not have insurance anymore in the United States being a professional athlete and if I would have gone back to the United States there's no way I would have been able to play again because I just would not have been able to afford my rehab I could not have afforded going to rehab twice a day or I was also sent to a professional center once I had so I had to do rehab for three months before I could get operated on then I got operated on and I had a full cast like a hard like when somebody breaks Mm -hmm. the arm I had a cast from my hip to my ankle and I, I went to a center for two months with this cast on in the south of France. That was amazing. And I got to do all my rehab and people cooked for you. And it was so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just no way I would have been able to do that in the United States, let alone afford it in the United States. I would have had to have gotten a job and then been trying to rehab. And yeah. there's just no way. And there's no way I could have put that burden on my parents. It would have just been way, way, way too much. So I also felt extremely lucky that I was in this situation and I was not going to take advantage. Well, I was going to take advantage of one way because I was going to use all of the resources that they were giving me, but I was going to make sure that I played again so that those resources went back to a positive outcome. And yeah, I just kept going. Yeah. That was your motivation to just keep going instead of yeah stopping or giving up. Yeah. It was just like one day in front of the other. I think it was actually more nerve wracking at the very end when I was actually coming back and like starting to play again than it was when it was really hard and painful and and that just because it was like at that moment there was nothing else to do but the rehab you had no choice I had to do it even if I couldn't play again I needed to walk again I needed to run again I wanted to be able to be an active adult um that when it was more closer to like okay my knee is totally fine but can I actually play Mm -hmm. 
then it was a little more stressful and nerve-wracking. Okay, okay, yeah. That was different from when, like you said, you only had one choice, getting back from the rehab. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to speak, you know, obviously a bit more about where you are today as well, because I understand that you were thinking about actually retiring a bit earlier. I think it was like two years ago or something like that, right? Um, and I wanted to understand kind of what happened and how you ended up, you know, being where you are today at PSG. Yeah, so this is kind of a unique story too. Okay. But, um, so I I was playing in Scandinavia after I did my knee. Uh, I went back to the second division because after that big of an injury, we really weren't sure if I could do it. So my agent put me in the second division just to, to see what I could do. Um, I was doing well, got back into it. One of my first games back, I actually got player of the game. So I was like, okay, okay, I can do this. Yep, we're back. Um, and then the Scandinavian football season is not the same as Europe it's through the summertime so it's a really weird transfer window and I tried to transfer in December but it was difficult for me um, goalkeepers have a difficult job because clubs either need a goalkeeper or they don't you can't play another position and so there's not very many positions and there's a lot of us so I was unfortunate and I was not able to find a goal um, a position so I ended up just moving to France so that I would be in Europe in case somebody called and I could get there quicker than being in the US and I could train um, and be with my now fiance at the time boyfriend. And so we would train and staying in shape and whatnot. And he, through his profet, he works in football too, let's all be honest. Okay. He ended up moving to to Brittany to, to work at Stadernay. And so at that time, my agent came back to me and said he had opportunities to, for me to go back to Scandinavia. Or I could stay in France and, you know, kind of be semi-domesticated and, and live with my boyfriend and figure out life. Um, so just discussing between us and where we wanted our lives to go. And again, I was already in my 30s. Um, I just decided that going back to Scandinavia, while it's super cool and it's amazing to be able to play there, what was the objective and, and what was I going for? Like, just to keep playing women's football. I don't make that much money. There's no future anymore. Like, I'm, I've played. Mm -hmm. um, so I decided to find a club closer to him and, and see if I could play. So the closest club I could find was in Samalo, which was in the second division. And I started playing with them and I didn't really like it very much. I didn't like the professionalism and, and how the whole situation was turning out. And so I've always told myself that when football wasn't fun anymore or, if, or if my body just couldn't do it, that's when I would stop. And so that was the case. I just wasn't having that much fun. So I ended up starting to look for jobs mm -hmm. and what opportunities I could have in the area. And every job opportunity said you needed a master's and I didn't have a master's and it's kind of complicated with the conversion of my four-year degree in the U.S. versus what it means in France so you're nodding your head you totally yeah what I mean. <laughs> um, but for those listeners just trust me it's complicated and also too with the French CV if they show you a CV like they want you to hit every like you have to hit everything and it's super weird but that's a different story <laughs> for a different time so anyways so during this time I randomly came across um a program uh, to get a master's and it was the football business academy and it was perfect because I was able to start the school and th the beginning was online which sounds totally normal right now because of what we all went through but at the time it was kind of like really like is this actually legit what's going on here um it was legit I did end up doing it and it was fantastic because I was able to finish the season and you know I signed for them so I wasn't just gonna up and quit yeah. and I could start going to school and then there was certain parts of the project and I had to go to China and that was super cool. And then I ended up having to do an internship in the fall after my last year with that. And I went on my internship and I got to intern at Benfica in Lisbon, which was amazing. 
And at that time, they'd actually just started their women's team. So of course, I talked to my fiance and I'm like, babe, I should, I should talk to them and like, go, go play with their team. And he's like, no, absolutely not. Like, you got so many miles off your knee. I don't think you should mess with it. You're in a really good place for work now. You're starting a different career. Like, chill. I'm like, okay. So I stayed working out-ish and I would play pickup with guys and stuff like that. But I wasn't fully, fully playing. And people would ask me if I'd retired. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm not playing right now, but I don't know if I've officially retired because in my mind, I just, I did not want to retire. And I just was hard to say it, especially after the last season I had. So it was a really weird, unique situation. Um, And then I ended up having to move to Switzerland to finish my degree in January, February. And then I got back to, to Rennes and I found myself in a very precarious situation. Like, okay, well, what do I do now? And long story short, I was lucky enough that one of my mentors from school hired me to be the project manager on the first ever women's freestyle standalone tournament right before Women's Champions League. And as luck would have it, she was, Lady Luck was shining on me that day. On the flight back from Champions League, I ended up sitting next to the sporting director of Paris Saint-Germain. And again, really quick (laughs) on this story, I talked myself into two contracts. One is a full-time player on the women's team and one working in the sponsorship department for women's sponsoring, trying to find standalone sponsors and working on different women's development projects for the club. That's crazy. (laughs) It's just, yeah, that's insane how that just, you know, works out when you least expect it, to be honest. (laughs) Well, there's actually an even funnier part, like talking about cultures and stuff. My fiance would always tell me that I talk too much and that French people like do not give this much information and that I needed to chill and I'm too outgoing and, and different things like this so I'm like okay well I guess in your country you know more and blah 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 and then I got off that flight and he's like okay you can talk to whoever you want whenever you want <laughs> yeah that must have been some really good like networking skills from your side to you know talk oh and, yeah. yeah I get that oh for sure <laughs> figure it out <laughs> that's so cool and that's what I wanted to say I mean that's such a special situation like what you have going on today there's not a lot of players who have that you know working both as a football player but also having like you said the sponsorship um, that you're working with PSG um, for women so, I mean, how is that for you today, like handling both of those different roles at the same time? That must be quite time consuming, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Obviously, it's time consuming and you can come up with all the kind of complaints that go with it. But it's also great because I'm really starting to build my post career career, which mm-hmm. is just a new chapter in my life. And I'm obviously super sad that I'll be finishing playing football, but I'm ready and I'm really excited for this new chapter. And I've really built a great base to start and stay in women's football and continue on this journey. And I think I've seen, and I've noticed a lot of pro athletes in a lot of different sport, they wait to the very last minute in order to start to make that conversion or up two months after they've already retired. And I think it's too late. And I think as athletes, we are very, it's, it's a whole part of who we are being an athlete. Like when people say, what do you do? I'm a professional soccer player. That's very much a part of who I am that the moment that I can't say that anymore, it's going to be hard and it's going to be weird. And, and a piece of me won't be there anymore. But now I have this whole other piece that I've already created and, and established that I'm still whole. Like I'm not going to be totally broken. I'll be sad, but uh, I think a lot of athletes get really broken because they don't know what to do next and they don't know where to go. And I think it's super unfortunate because we have a lot of time and a lot of resources during our careers that we could start to build it and do stuff. 
Yeah, that's true. That can be very difficult. I can imagine after doing something for so long, kind of like finding your identity like outside of it. So absolutely having that opportunity, like you said, you've been able to kind of already start that transition before, you know, so that's yeah, that must be really good. Exactly. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, I mean, like you said before, now the season is coming to an end here in France. You have a few games left. Um, yeah, looking to finish strong, like you said, in the French League. But what are some of your goals, like, except for that, like long term, whenever you do retire? Long term goals for my life? Yeah, I mean, with what you're doing with the women's sponsorship for PSG, like, what um, do you see in the future, obviously, when, yeah, the season is ending and everything? Okay, well, both my contracts will be actually ending together. So I will be saying okay. goodbye to PSG on both counts. Um, but I'm really happy with the work that we've done and, and the things that we've able we've been able to accomplish and all my colleagues here that I've gotten to meet and interact with. It's been amazing. I really want to stay in women's football mm-hmm. and continue the different avenues and, and things that I've done, especially working with federations, associations, clubs, leagues in order to build a professionalization of the women's game and just develop the game overall as a product. I think women's football needs to become a better product. And the reason I say that is because within our leagues, usually there's a few teams that are much, 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 much higher, better, um, more equipped, better resources, not just financially, but also the structure of the club, the training facilities, the medical staff. And then you have the rest of the league that's so much below them that they're not even fighting to win the league. It's just, there's no competition. And I think that makes football not the greatest product because when you try to sell that to broadcasters or even to sponsors, they only really want to sponsor or pay for the broadcasting rights to those really big games because those are the exciting games. When you knock out Mm -hmm. a team 14-0, which we did this year, yeah, it's fun to see goals, but that's not really great football. Uh, so I really want to help those other teams t- to create a structure that's sustainable. that gives them an investment in an ROI for the club and that they can stand alone and stand on their own two feet and possibly make their own decisions within the club that really is geared towards the women and, and helps the women develop. Okay. Okay. So definitely like continue to be part of yeah, women's football, although it will be in a different way than you what you have been doing before. Yeah, I mean, I, I do some of that now anyways, but it will just be a continuation of, of that in a different direction. Yeah, more focus on that. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, okay. And I saw as well that you're part of, um, it's called Voice in Sport, uh, which is like mm-hmm. a community, right? That is working to empower female athletes, connect female athletes, and also help to, you know, keep more girls in sports along, yeah, with a lot of other things that I saw. Um, what does it mean for you to be part of that type of initiatives as well on the side, obviously with females and sports so the actual initiative is based less on us interacting with each other we do have that opportunity Mm -hmm. but the objective is more for us to be mentors to the younger generation of athletes and as you said to give confidence to young girls Mm -hmm. as the organization voice in sport has done a lot of studies and worked with a lot of different organizations and they've understand that for most little girls there's a drop-off rate by the time they're 12 uh, 50% of girls stop playing sports compared to their male counterparts. And then by 17 or 18, it's another 50% drop off. And they, the studies are showing that the reason it is, is because girls don't have the same kind of idols and mentors and kind of that, if you see it, you can be it attitude. 
and that also sport gives confidence and allows girls to kind of do better in school and better in the workforce. And so the objective of this program is not necessarily to inspire young girls to become professional athletes and win all these accolades and the Olympics and the World Cup. While that's super amazing and I hope we can encourage them, it's also just to give little girls that like being active, they just want to go out and play, the opportunity and the confidence to be on teams, to step up and raise their voice, to encourage and empower their friends and other females within their communities. And they believe that through these mentor sessions, we can do that by telling our stories, the good and the bad of being athletes and and showing that we're strong women and that these little girls can become strong women too. And the other studies I think that they focus on is that in C-suite level for executive, female executives, I think the numbers 95% of women in C-suite were uh, high-level athletes, not all of them completely professional, but they usually played university and they're very high-level competitive athletes. So they've made a correlation by quote-unquote success within the business world. And we just want to get more women confident and in those positions. And we believe that can happen through mentorship with athletes and young girls. Yeah, that's awesome for sure. That makes sense. Like you said, obviously, even if you're not looking to become a professional athlete, there's just so much that you can learn from playing sports, you know, growing up and that's a great initiative. Absolutely. And the platform's super cool. There's there's women from all walks of life. There's women from all levels of sport. It's collegiate and professional athletes, but it's D1, D2, D3 collegiate athletes, girls that are playing collegiately now, but have no aspiration to go pro. They were able to use their sport to get a great education and be a part of a team in, in university. And so I think it's really great to kind of share this. It's just, you don't have to want to be a professional and win a gold medal in order to love playing sport and to be competitive with your friends and and to be in a group and a team and i think this this platform really shows that and helps and then basically girls just come on they sign up we post the times that we can do mm -hmm. chats and then they can sign up to have one-on-one -on -one or group chats with us on various subjects and use us as a sounding board ask us about university ask us maybe about personal things that they're not comfortable with asking their parents or asking adults around them, but they can discuss with us. And so overall, I just think it's a really positive, encouraging and empowering platform. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like it. That's, yeah, that's amazing. That's really cool. And that's awesome that you're taking part of that as well and basically giving back to, to the younger generation. So yeah, super cool. Oh, for sure. I think it's really funny because a lot of people ask me who my, you asked me who inspired mm -hmm. me, but also I had like female role models as a kid because I grew up with the 99 Women's World Cup. I was 14 at the time. So I definitely looked up to all those women, Brandy Chastain, Brianna Scurry, Mia mm -hmm. Hamm, all of them. I'm not going to go off. And so I feel really lucky when I talk to some of my teammates, even who are much younger than myself, and they said they grew up without seeing female role models. And I've always had them. So the fact that I laugh if I think that people think I'm a role model, but I'm sure to some <laughs> little girls I might be. Um, if I can be that or give an encouraging word to help them or share my story and some of the bad things that have happened to me and that makes it better for them, then I'm really happy to do so and, and hope that we can keep pushing women forward in sports and into careers. Yeah. And I was going to say, obviously, it might be feel a bit weird talking about yourself as a role model. But like you said, I'm sure you are a role model to a lot of young girls out there and not only girls, but guys too, like a lot of young athletes um, that follow you on your social media where you do have a large following. So for everyone that is following you and looking up to you, I mean, what are the main takeaways that you hope they will yeah, take away from your journey and how do you hope that you can inspire them? I would say be stubbornly 
positive in your pursuit of what you want within reason. Don't step on other people to get what you want, but don't let other people tell you you can't do stuff. And uh, I would also say that for a lot of girls and boys, but I want to focus on some of the young girls. If you want to stay in sport, stay in sport. And you don't have to be the greatest athlete to make a huge contribution to the sport that you love. You can go to school, you can study, and almost anything you study in school can be related to sports. And there's a whole big world out there with federations, associations, stakeholders, clubs, leagues uh, that employ people in all walks of life from doctors, lawyers, marketing, um, HR, you name it, and they're within the industry. And so I think there's not enough young girls who look at those roles and think they can do it and apply for them. And I just want to encourage them to apply for them and look into it because clubs have, they're a business. So anything that goes into business, they're there. There's the medical staff, there's mental coaches. There's so many positions out there and we need more women going into them. So you don't have to be the greatest player on your team. You don't have to have played for the national team. Just get your education, whatever you're passionate about. You can do that in industries and it doesn't have to be within the football industry. It can be like swimming it could be tennis it could be basketball it could be nfl it could be mlb it could be whatever it may be just find your passion and and get into the sports industry because we need more women decision makers at the table okay okay that's awesome for sure and i mean i know that you share a lot of things on your social media you do a lot of different things there to highlight that but i know that you also have this um instagram live that you host that is called like 20 questions with friends maybe you can just tell us about this too like the idea behind this and yeah what you're looking to do with that (laughs) so this idea came out of boredom during quarantine okay (laughs) and seeing that a lot of my friends get interviewed and you don't really know who they are or kind of their quirks or funny stuff about them you just know what they want you to know kind of on social media maybe not what they want you to know but the obvious of what they can portray And it was just a way to one, hang out with my friends and do something fun. And two, let people see a different side of them, like the more human side, because when you're chatting with your friends, it's different than when you're chatting to a reporter or a journalist. Uh, And it just allowed us to do something kind of fun and and silly during (laughs) the lockdown that we were in. And then I just decided to continue it. Honestly, I continue it because most of my friends think it's fun to do it. more so than everybody watching (laughs) but people like it too and they get to ask their own questions to them um I definitely control those questions sometimes people write the most inappropriate things but I also think some people get something answered that they thought about or they wanted to know that they don't usually have the opportunity to ask so it's just a fun moment that I get to share with people. Oh, but that's cool because I saw that before when I was checking your Instagram, of course. And it's, uh, yeah, it's nice that you continue that. Like you said, it allows you to ask maybe more, yeah, different questions and talk about things that you normally don't talk about. So <laughs> that's cool. Exactly. Yeah. And I actually only have one more question. And I know we touched on it a bit because you spoke a lot about, you know, obviously um, what you hope that others can take away from your journey and from what you've been through. But there are a lot of people out there that who do have, you know, big dreams. And this podcast is about showing that there are yeah, multiple sides to success, if we want to call it that, or to following your dreams, um, everything that you go through. So for all the people that have big dreams, what advice would you give them in order to get there? Just hold on to it and don't stop until you get there or gotten as far as you possibly can. But make sure when you get there that you have exhausted every outlet possible. I think sometimes... I don't like the word give up, but we realize it might be too hard or you don't want to 
take the risk or you don't want to sacrifice. I think actually we forgot to talk about that. Playing abroad and becoming a professional is a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot of stuff I didn't do in high school. There's a lot of parties I, I didn't get to go to. There's a lot of quote unquote fun I didn't have. But yeah, just it's all worth it. For me, it's been worth it. I don't regret anything. I'm so happy with where I came. As a little girl, I, I dreamed almost even bigger. <laughs> I wanted to win a world cup and I wanted to, I really wanted to go to the Olympics. I always wanted to be an Olympian. And I know that that's never going to happen, at least on the field. You never know. I might somehow wiggle my way in there from the business standpoint or something. Yeah. <laughs> Just watch out for me. I'll probably be there. But um, so I haven't reached as far as I want, like they, you know, they say you reach for the moon, you can land on a star or it might be the opposite. I can't remember. Um, I've definitely accomplished some amazing, amazing things by having really lofty goals. And I didn't accomplish all my goals by any means from an athletic perspective. I wish I, I wish it, maybe not wish it would have been super cool to do more, but I can't be too greedy. I've gotten to do a lot and I've had a lot of experiences. So I would say if you really truly decide that you want to do it and make sure it's your dream, nobody else's like other people can share it with you, but really look inside because you're going to give up a lot. You're going to sacrifice and you're going to have to work, bleed, sweat, cry for that. So just truly make sure it's yours. And I also want to say that sometimes you figure out that it's really not your dream or it's not your dream anymore. And that's okay too. And I don't think anybody should be ashamed that at a certain point you decide like, this isn't what I want to do or this just isn't me anymore. We all grow as people. And I think sometimes people hold on for the wrong reasons and that's not going to help anybody either. So don't be ashamed or, or feel bad if you just grow in a different direction than what you wanted your dream to be. That doesn't make you any less of a person. That doesn't make you less of an athlete. And that doesn't make all the work you did before any less. Like you can still be proud and, and call what you did a success, even if you don't hit that top rung that you wanted to, because if I actually look back and tell myself what I truly wanted to do, shoot, I did not accomplish like 80% of it. So and I'm pretty proud of what I've done. So that's what I'd like to share. That's awesome for sure. And I think that's so important what you said that obviously things change and obviously with time, maybe your dreams will change as well. And that's yeah, a good thing to acknowledge. Perfect. You said it very well. <laughs> oh, that's really good. <laughs> no, but thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate it. And yeah, it's been so much, uh, so much fun to speak to you. It's been great, really, to yeah hear you share a lot of different things from your career and your thoughts and advice and everything. So yeah, thank you so much and best of luck with everything that you have to look forward to now. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for doing shows like that. It's, it's nice and refreshing to hear people try to give a voice to athletes in a, in a different way. So congratulations to you and Coco for for doing this podcast and, and sharing what you can with others. It's, it's awesome. So thanks for having me and good luck to you guys and staying in the sunshine. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and give us five stars. It really means a lot to us. You can find all the links to Ariana's social media in the description below. For more information about us and the podcast, follow us on Instagram at easypodcast underscore. And to help us in making this podcast even better, become a patron at patreon.com slash empowermentcourage. Thank you so much for your ongoing support and see you next week.